So mutant stuff is pretty strange, but it's really strange that Cyclops and Havoc's powers don't work on each other, right? Oh, you mean how Cyclops optic blasts don't hurt Havoc? Right, and how Havoc's plasma blasts don't hurt Cyclops. They just kind of, you know, blow each other's clothes off. Yeah. Yeah, that's the good stuff. Anyway, it's odd, right? You don't really see that with other mutant families. Well, sure, other than us. Wait, us? Yeah, our superpowers don't work on each other. Wait, but I have the very well-known and often-discussed superpower of conjuring bread out of thin air. How does that not work on you? Anytime I try to eat it, it disintegrates in my hands. What? I just thought you didn't like it. I'm sure I would, but alas, I cannot eat your super bread. Okay, well, I I guess I can just bake some the old-fashioned way, but what do you mean about your powers? I didn't even know you had a superpower. I can turn invisible. What? Yeah, I can turn invisible, but only you can see me. Let me tell you, it was a shock the first time I figured it out. Oh, that explains a lot of random nudity. Look, I thought no one could see me. Wow, so what you're saying is we're just ordinary to each other? Oh, I wouldn't say ordinary. I love you extraordinarily. Aw, me too, sweetheart. Well, are you ready to talk about comics? Yes. I'm Christina Edelman. And I'm Chris Edelman. And this is Chris's On Infinite Earths. The podcast where nothing will ever be the same. Welcome, readers, to the Gooey Center, the second of our three-part episode coverage of Extinction Agenda. This is the stink part. Yes. (laughs) (laughs) So, readers, uh, this one's one's a nine-parter. Mm-hmm. Nine issues. Yeah. Nine issues, nine parts. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. We are dead set in the middle three. Yes. It's, it's, it's a whole bunch. And it's not a whole bunch. It's it's one stink. <laughs> it's just Is that a unit of a mediocre crossover as a stink? <laughs> it is one stink of crossover. Yeah. Roughly a uh, section of one. One stink equals three miss. Okay. What would you call like a full, full one? Extinction agenda. Ugh. <laughs> A real stinkeroni. A stink. A stinction agenda. Mm. It's not even X. It's a stinction. A stinction exgenda. Maybe it's just a stinction. <laughs> We're getting real <laughs> weird. Everybody's turning off there. <laughs> the radios now, because you know we do broadcast this live. It is, it is right, radio. right, right. Yeah. I can't imagine this is anybody's first episode. Like, why would you start in, in the, the gooey middle. center? In the gooey center. In the gooey center. If this is your first episode, I. You know, that's fine. Go back one. No, you can stick with us. You'll figure <laughs> it out. It's fine. <laughs> uh, fun We're fact not- about just sticking with it and figuring it out. I did a Christie again reading these issues. Oh, that's right. To help me out with always finding the right issues to read, I make sure I download all of them at the beginning so I don't have to go in and search in whatever app I'm reading in. And I can just go to my downloads. So I had read the first three, and then I was like, okay, I'm reading one a day. Here's part four. Okay, moving on. I'm going to read part five. But it was not part five. It was 
part six, part five, there was an issue with downloading. And I, I didn't realize it. And I kept wondering, huh, they're referencing something that I don't remember very well. You know, I'm sure I, I'll catch it when I go back and do my reread. And then I go on to read what I think is part six. And I'm like, part seven? What? Where's part six? And then I'm like, oh, oh, I read part six. Yep. Christy skipped part five and I then did. read it later. And then I read it later. Mm-hmm. And, you know, it's okay. I just have this beautiful ability to read a comic and have no idea what's going on and still keep reading. Boy, <laughs> you're a real expert. <laughs> Oh, if that didn't seal the deal for you on uh, this podcast, I don't know what else will. Maybe the summary? <laughs> Let's get into the summary. Uncanny X-Men number 271, written by Chris Claremont, penciled by Jim Lee, inked by Scott Williams, colored by Glynis Oliver, lettered by Tom Orzakowski and Lois Buhelis, and edited by Bob Harris. NPR gives us a recap of the situation with Boom Boom, Wolfsbane, Richter, and Storm as a U.S. battle carrier group stands by. Richter and Boom Boom are nearly captured by Genosian forces, but the suddenly arriving Wolverine, Jubilee, and Psylocke fight them off. Wolverine, however, is pretty heavily injured. Psylocke reads the two new mutants' minds, and Wolverine and her decide to rescue Storm and Rain while Jubilee gets the still-powerless Richter and Boom Boom to safety. We're back to NPR as the Gene Engineer and Moira McTaggart have a televised debate in which the Gene Engineer tells some big lies about Genosha, but comes out looking pretty good. He heads back to his office, lamenting that previously he had to perform the mutate process on his son's girlfriend, leading to his son hating him. Oh, but who is waiting for him in his office but Storm, who quickly puts a knife to his throat? The engineer claims Cameron Hodge is the real enemy, and who appears but Hodge himself, who overpowers the still-powerless Storm, nearly killing her before the engineer and the president, who suddenly pops up, decide to make her into a mutate instead. Gulp? Wolverine and Psylocke pilot the Genosian airbikes, both disguised as soldiers, but Psylocke nearly dies after losing control of her cycle as Storm's psychic cries disorient her. Wolverine barely saves her, and they are picked up by Genosian soldiers, who say they'll take the disguised mutants to the Gene Engineer for treatment. In the Citadel, Psylocke accidentally blows their cover when she recognizes Havoc, who immediately starts blasting. Wolverine fights off tons of soldiers to get close to Havoc before Psylocke hits the brainwashed man with her psychic knife. Oh, but of course Cameron Hodge comes in, absolutely wrecking our duo and showing them Storm, who has undergone the mutate process. Oh no! New Mutants, number 96, written by Louise Simonson, penciled by Rob Liefeld, inked by Joe Rubenstein and Art Thibert, colored by Steve Bucoletto, lettered by Task Force Z, and edited by Bob Harris and Suzanne Gaffney. Jubes, Boom Boom, and Richter are tracked and nearly caught by a mutate tracker and two Genosian soldiers, but they fight off the soldiers and the mutate, now somewhat separated from his programming, decides to join them. Cable, Beast, Gambit, Sunspot, Forge, Cannonball, and Marvel Girl head off to the Citadel to plant some bombs, while Cyclops broods about his brother. In the Citadel, Hodge admonishes Alex Summers for losing track of the mutants, likely due to Forge constructing a cool device, and then the mechanical man heads to the Gene Engineer's lab, where Rain is unfortunately undergoing the process to become a mutate. 
The kids on the run break into a Genosian home where they are both accosted by a Genosian soldier whom they quickly subdue. However, shown on the TV screen in the home is Rain, having been turned into a mutate. The trio decide to go back and save her. The bomb squad arrives at the Citadel where Gambit attempts to silently subdue a guard, but said guard unfortunately noisily falls into a courtyard. The bomb team tussle with Genosians in the courtyard before that mutant wipeout knocks out all their powers. Jube's trio happens to be nearby, and their mutate pal quickly rejoins the Genosians, but lies about the mutant's whereabouts. Everyone's favorite dude Cameron Hodge shows up to gloat before showing Rain, who has in fact been converted into a mutate. Richter vows revenge. X-Factor 61, written by Louise Simonson, penciled by John Bogdanov and John Nigro. Inked by Al Milgram, colored by Mike Rockwitz, lettered by Joe Rosen, and edited by Bob Harris. Hodge gets all villainy on the captives, but he's pretty mad because Forge is unconscious and can't help him with his cybernetic problems. A telepathic mutate, however, is used to glean the Citadel bomb locations from our heroes. Hodge lobs Forge at Alex Summers, who carries him off to a cell while Gene, Gambit, Sunspot, and Cable are led behind him. They see Rain and try to cry out to her, but she is clearly out of it. Cable, in a rage, breaks his bonds and attacks Hodge, only for Hodge to smash him into a wall. The remaining free mutants, Cannonball, Angel, Banshee, Cyclops, Iceman, and Beast come up with a very Star Wars plan of infiltration, disguising several of themselves as mutates. Jean is thrown into a dark cell, only to find the very injured Wolverine in there. Sensing that he's dying, she kisses him, and then has some regrets. Hodge literally planned this just to mess with Cyclops. What a weird cyborg, man. The President, Jean Janeer, and Hodge meet in the Citadel alone with the Mutate Storm as the Magistrates find the warehouse location where the X-Men had been hiding. However, the mutants have the whole place booby-trapped and it goes up in a massive explosion. As the leaders of Genosha react in shock, Archangel, Banshee, and Cannonball fly in. Archangel vows to make Hodge pay, but the mutants ultimately lose the fight and are also captured. I'm seeing a pattern here. But back at the warehouse, two suspicious mutates take another badly burned blanket-covered mutate into the Citadel for treatment. They're stopped by a magistrate who asks which mutate is injured. It's 666. The number of the beast as Hank McCoy pops out of the blanket and wrecks the soldier. The trio continue their infiltration, but are stopped by magistrate Alex Summers. Cyclops tries yet again to remind him of his past, specifically how the two of them jumped out of a plane as kids. Just like clockwork, Hodge arrives yet again, and our final free mutants are captured. But Alex finally remembers who he is, and plays as if he doesn't. So what did you think of these middle three issues? Well, we've already named them Stink, but I, I think we can we can really waft the stink here and, and dig in. I mean, is, is it that stinky? It's not like... It's not bad. Mm-hmm. I think it's just, I think this is a somewhat uninteresting crossover. Right. And the fact that they spread it across three titles, mm-hmm. they, they want every title to have, have a little bit of, a little bit of the meat of the story, but there, there's not that much meat. This spread very thin across many issues. Would you say that it is a small amount of, of, of butter spread between? Scraped. Scraped. Over. Too, too much, much bread. bread. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. I, I go back to that quote constantly. This it's... crossover is old, Gandalf. It may not look it. <laughs> no, it does. It does look it. No. It's about as old as we are. Oof. Oof. 
Oof. Well, when you put it like that, it's really old. (laughs) (laughs) So I think my problem with it is it feels like the hero's actions don't end up with any effect. Right. And that could be in part due to the way that we've chunked it. And like we haven't gotten any any payoff here. Like it's the part where it feels like everything's going wrong. It is almost as if this entire crossover is like the original Star Wars trilogy and we're in the Empire Strikes Back section. Oh. Oh, we are. <laughs> oh no. Everybody's getting frozen in carbonite, except instead of frozen in carbonite, yeah. they get a weird suit thing on them. Yeah, a lot of people really like Empire, though. It's not my favorite. But... No, Empire is objectively the best one, but it is also not my favorite. Oh, whatever. <laughs> no, Re- Return is my favorite, but I will admit that Empire is a, is a better made movie. Mm, I don't know about that one. Okay. What's your I will. Favorite? I would not admit that. You would not admit that. Mm-hmm. What's the What's the Return. best one? Return. Return's the best Return one. Return is the best one. Okay. Why is it the best one? Because it's got the bear. <laughs> <laughs> when Christy was a little girl, she would always demand to watch Return of the Jedi because, but she would not I call would, it Return of the Jedi. No, she, I didn't know what it was called. I, my dad would ask, "You want to watch Star Wars?" And I'd say, "Can we watch the one with the bears?" <laughs> I wanted to watch the one with the bears because little little Christy loved the one with the bears. Mm-hmm. Leia took her hair down. <laughs> I liked that. <laughs> that, that too. Huh? <laughs> Christie's in Star Wars for hares and bears. Also, she starts. That's also where the metal bikini uh-huh. is. <laughs> wow, that happened really young, didn't it? That was that was young Christie <laughs> into a very specific subset of things. <laughs> well, anyway, back to the comic book that we are that we are discussing. Mm-hmm. This is this is the everything goes wrong bit. It is. To be fair, I felt like plenty went wrong in the first one. Right? Right? But, like, if... Theoretically, like, we probably could have done this in six issues. Like... Yeah. But we have to... We have to dig them in even further. Like, if we didn't already believe that Hodge was terrible, we really are sealing the deal here. But it's like, anytime they do something, Hodge shows up, they can't beat Hodge, they get captured. This happens several times, and it makes me wonder, like, was this coordinated in that way? Oh, like, is something... Are they planning on being captured? No, no, no. I meant... I meant between the writers. It just seems like ever all, all the writers of these. Mm. So the writers are just Chris Claremont and Louise Simonson. Mm-hmm. But it's like boy, it's just people come in, Hodge captures. People come in, Hodge captures. Like no one can beat Hodge. It is just the no one can beat Hodge show. Well, yeah, I mean he's the he's the big bad here. He like is. how are you supposed to defeat the guy that can't die? That's true. And it's just a little frustrating. Like Sorry, can they get get captured by anybody else? I also there's a I have a bone to pick with this with this comic. Mm-hmm. I it drives me absolutely crazy when one of the conceits of the story is oh the bad guys have something where your powers go away. Yeah, because then I'm just watching people run around. I mean that's fair, but they, they, there is still some punching. There is, but there is literally there's a Genosian guy in this named Wipeout. And yeah. his power is to take yours away f- until he decides to give it back. Yeah, that it's is a, it's a pretty busted power. I I, I just there, think that it's narratively uninteresting to to have these like up oh, take away your powers permanently, and he does it to so many of the mutants in this. It's kind of like when you were a kid 
playing pretend with that one kid who was just like you were trying to tell a cool story and then just did something that pooped all over it. Yeah. Like at every possible turn. Like a bad improver. Yeah. 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 But I like comparing it to a child because <laughs> Why is that? Instead of, you know, just like criticizing grown adults who haven't developed a skill. And there's a lot of things like this. Like even in new X-Men comics, there's people who have like XG neutralizers or something. And I, Mm -hmm. it always ends up being like, find a way, get power back. Then powers happen when, and I find it more interesting if even with their powers, they have a tough time. Mm -hmm. So you feel like Hodge would be a more compelling villain if they still had their powers and yet were ineffective against him because like Psylocke was ineffective against Todd. She tried to do the psychic knife and it did nothing. Yeah. Cause so, he's brainless. Right. So <laughs> that's not really true. <laughs> Thank you so, for agreeing with me. So, sure. Yeah. Um, I don't know. Like he had his whole head cut off. I don't, maybe his brain is a computer. I don't know. You don't Why know. would you program a computer with revenge? I don't know. But <laughs> Hodge was confronted by mutants with powers. Correct. And he still won. That's true. And in fact, the only people, well, you, it's it's somewhat unclear if Wolverine gets his power shut off, other than the fact that he's not healing, right? Except this is the era where his healing factor could get overtaxed. Oh, he wasn't quite as busted as he is now, uh-huh. or he'll like heal from like a brain cell or something, right? Okay. So I'm not sure if he has his powers or not. Mm. So this is the era of Wolverine where his 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 protege, his young woman is Jubilee. Yeah. First it's Kitty Pride. Mm-hmm. Now it's Jubilee. It will eventually be a character named Armor. Mm. Yep. So yeah, Ju- Jubilee Jubilee's his pal. And Jubilee is somewhat insufferable about it to because mm-hmm. she has to escort Boom Boom and Richter at one point. Yeah. And she is absolutely insufferable about the fact that she is Wolverine's bud. I mean, listen, if you were Wolverine's bud, wouldn't you be insufferable about it, too? I would need a comic named after me called Wolverine, Wolverine's bud Chris Edelman, <laughs> just like Superman's pal Jimmy Olsen. <laughs> Is there that comic? Superman's pal Jimmy Olsen? Yeah. Yeah. It was, it, it was, oh, okay, we're taking a tangent. Okay. <laughs> it was a comic in like the 50s and 60s. And, like, wild stuff would happen in it. Like, Jimmy has been turned into a gorilla and stuff. But that <laughs> so, was... What it's like being friends with the superhero. Right. Uh, it, it's great. But also, when Jack Kirby came over to DC, they asked him what book he would want. And he... he the, the, the rumor goes that he took the one that didn't have a regular writer so as to not take someone's job. I'm not sure how true that is, but he also uh, wanted to, he wanted to take Jimmy Olsen because it was low selling. Mm. And that's where he started to introduce his fourth world was in Superman's pal, Jimmy Olsen. So like the characters of like dark side and stuff spun out of the stories that were told in that. Oh my goodness. <laughs> yes. Um, however, there was a recent run that was 12 issues that was Superman's pal, Jimmy Olsen. It's perfect. You would love it. Uh, you should. I, I should get you to read it because it is. It is like it is a full and complete twelve issue story, and it's wonderful and it's hilarious. It's so funny. I love it. But yes, there is a comic called Superman's. Pants. All right. There was also Superman's girlfriend Lois Lane or Superman's girl Lois Lane or something, something like that. Superman's gal. Superman's gal. <laughs> Superman's main squeeze Lois Lane. 
Okay, so would you be Wolverine's pal or would no, you? No, his bud. His bud. Yeah. I found out today that bud is masculine. I always thought bud was was agender. It is not. It comes from it, the the root word is like the same word from brother. You are explaining to me something that I I already know. I didn't know that. I'm explaining <laughs> to the readers who might not know. Why wouldn't? How did you not assume that? That bud was masculine. Well, you use it. You'll say like, oh, we're buds. I don't refer to someone as bud. Like if I'm talking to somebody, I would never address. Mm-hmm. I don't use the word bud to address somebody. Mm-hmm. Buddy. But to say like we're buds or mm-hmm. as like an abbreviation for buddy, mm-hmm. that's a different thing. Buddy buddy is the same thing, though. It also means brother. I Sure. I can describe a relationship that way. Uh-huh. But I don't refer to a person that way. I didn't. I did not realize. I thought. I thought that. I thought that Buddy was was just like a chum or friend. No, if a guy called me Bud, I would assume there was zero romantic interest whatsoever. Do you, do you think it's like if someone called you dude? Yeah. Yeah. Okay. When a guy calls me like a nick, like some sort of mm-hmm. pet name that feels masculine, I'm I'm like, oh, oh, mm, all right. And this is why I call you princess all the time. <laughs> yes, readers. I absolutely don't call you princess. You call me sweetheart. I do. Mm-hmm. mm-hmm. And bud. Words, words are important. You do not call me bud. <laughs> I do not. <laughs> but you would be Wolverine's bud. Wolverine's bud, Chris Edelman. Yeah. Mm-hmm. I'd be, one day my head would be a balloon for some reason, and the cover of the comic would be like, we got to keep him away from pins or he could die. And then you'd, you'd look at the cover and be like, we got to read this. Wow, your head turned into a balloon? I just that's just the kind of things that happened in the Jimmy Olsen comic. It was weird. I love it. <laughs> that poor guy. It's like um what was his name from Magic School Bus that always had the bad things happen to him when they Did Ralphie have one? No, it was uh He's got the, No, it was Ralphie, I think. The glasses and the curly hair. Yeah, they, they go- went in his stomach. They go to space, and he wants to, like, get back on the bus, and people aren't, so he takes off his helmet, and his head freezes. That, like, traumatized me as a child. Mm-hmm. mm-hmm. What was his cousin? She was she was up to no good. Oh, that's right. She was trying to take all the rocks or whatever from Pluto. <laughs> he was like, enough. And then he got home, and he had sniffles. <laughs> you know, normal <laughs> stuff. As a, as a one would really have, his eyes would be bleeding or something. Yeah. Magic school bus. Magical. You know, you can't explain that. (laughs) Helmet goes off, head turns to ice. You can't explain that. So there's a a couple of interesting relationship things in this comic. First of all, Richter still has a thing for for rain, which I feel like is is dropped in like 10 years and never spoken of again. Yeah, they, they kissed once. Yeah. Like, I don't even think Richter is considered to be bi anymore. I think Richter is, like, Richter's gay. Maybe I'm wrong. Maybe it's, it's, it, he is supposed to be bi. But anyway, yeah, there's that whole deal, which is, like, hard for me to buy. Gene and, and Wolverine share that smooch. And then Gene says that he's the best he is at what he does, which is apparently smooching. Right. Well, that's a callback to the conversation that she had with Storm. Yeah. I mean, yeah, it's, it, and it, it he is. He's the best. At, but what he does isn't very nice unless it's smooching. Mm-hmm. So I feel like canonically, we now know that Wolverine is a better kisser than Cyclops. <gasps> uh, I believe that's true. <laughs> <laughs> right? 
<laughs> it's gotta be. I don't know. I feel like Cyclops is probably better at other things, but Wolverine's probably a better kisser. Hmm. And you feel like that that's because what? Like the facial hair or like <laughs> I feel like he's just a more passionate person. Hmm. And you think that Cyclops is emotionally stunted? In some ways. <laughs> I wasn't sure if you were gonna agree with me there. <laughs> yeah, he was literally like raised to be a paramilitary soldier after leaving an orphanage run by Mr. Sinister. He you know, he's he's got some stuff. Right? Right. And so you feel like that stuff is less in the way in other areas of romance. I, you know, I just feel like sometimes he feels like he's got a duty to do. Mm. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. That's all. I love when I'm somebody's duty. <laughs> no better feeling <laughs> than to be loved dutifully. I'm just saying, remember Cyclops is like, does it need doing? And then the Charles Xavier was like, yes. And he's like, well, then it will be done. I feel like that's Cyclops. That's romance. <laughs> romance. <laughs> yeah, you know. <laughs> I just feel like he's a better kisser. I don't know. All right. Yeah. All right. It is wild that Cameron Hodge is like, I did all this to make Cyclops upset. <laughs> what a weirdo. <laughs> Do you like that all the artists draw Hodge slightly differently, but he's just got wires all over the place and he's yes. like, suddenly, he is. Sometimes his face looks, like, weirdly big. Yeah, it's strange. We lost the cardboard cutout, though, which is devastating. I know, the cardboard cutout was my favorite. It was so silly. Yeah, I just like imagining him, like, waking up in the morning and pulling the the cardboard out of the closet. (laughs) There's, like, ten identical (laughs) cardboard suits. And And that day, you know, he put it on and he looked in the mirror and he... He just threw it to the ground in despair. <laughs> Who are you trying to fool? I don't want to be here anymore. <laughs> Cameron Hodges, the guy in the full the full suit in the mall from I Think You Should Leave. Yeah. I don't even want to be here anymore. Imagine wishing for immortality and then you're ahead. That's rough. It's a real monkey's paw situation. Yeah. I feel like after this, Hodge is, is like relegated to some real chump duty, though. Like he works with the Phalanx, and then later he works with like I forget what he's been in stuff yeah, recently. I mean, but... he he seems like such a terrifying, formidable foe here to just be to become like nothing. That happens a lot with X Men villains, though. Yeah, they either become good guys or they just you know they enter the rotation. Right. Yeah. Right. I want a book about what the villains are doing on their time off from villainhood right like what do they do between stories you know like because there will be times where you won't know about a villain like a villain won't do anything for five or ten years and they'll suddenly be like i'm back (laughs) what were they up to i just took a lot of time for me i got i got really into my stories (laughs) i learned watercolors deeply soothing (laughs) but now it's time for more villainy (laughs) back to the grind i find the mutate process probably the most upsetting thing Mm -hmm. it it creeped me out the first because you the first time you read about it in like an issue of uncanny they like go into it for some reason having 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 a clothing bonded to your skin don't like that no yeah no i'm doing a buckle or a a belt loop at Thanksgiving. Nope. 
You just, you're strapped in. Do the mutates eat? I think they eat. I think. How do you feel about our poor mutate who was like, I don't actually like working for them. I'll come hang out with you. And then it's like, oh, they're back. I gotta go. Sorry. Gotta go back. Yeah. I mean, I don't know if I was expecting that or not. I feel like we haven't. It was nice to see a little bit more of a mutate who wasn't, you know, one of the X-Men or the New Mutants or 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 whatnot. Seeing seeing a mutant in the wild, I guess, or mutate in the wild. Uh-huh. But I don't know if I don't know if that needed to be there. I'm not sure if that mute if like that's coming back to play or. Well, he he did have that moment where he's like, "Yeah, I didn't see anything. I just alerted." You and save the whole citadel. Right. And I feel like we'd been led to believe that mutates were not capable of that. Right. I think that's supposed to be, that. that is foreshadowing for later. Obviously, we as, we as people reading in 2021 know that Rain Sinclair and Storm are not mutates forever. <laughs> right. Right. So they'll get out of it somehow. Maybe. And right now it's just the the down on their luck issues. The stinky ones. The stinky ones. The stinky the stink she, she mm. ones. I did really like Jim Lee's art a lot in the uncanny mm. issues. The bit with like the Wolverine and Psylocke stuff, I thought I felt was really strong. Yes, mm. yes. I will talk about that. Some in my coolest moment. Oh, okay. The one last thing I wanted to discuss. There's something I didn't talk about in the summary, but I did want to discuss it a little bit. Mm-hmm. There is a bit in one of the issues where at the beginning there's like Genosian kids. Yes. And they, like, notice all this happening. Mm -hmm. And they are literally, like, reciting the propaganda, almost. Yes. I think that was was really telling, in that it's supposed to show how you can get, how you can, you can change young minds. Mm -hmm. You can indoctrinate a whole generation. Right. I thought that was, that was, that was a neat ad. Mm -hmm. Mm-hmm. Because we're supposed to, like, really see how much Genosha sucks. It. It's kind of interesting that to contrast that with the Gene Engineer having some regrets. Like the, there's bits in this comic that want us to kind of feel bad for the Gene Engineer. Impossible for me. But it want you know, he has like some sad moments mm-hmm. that are like private, you know, only the audience sees them. Right. Some humanizing bits. Whereas that's totally absent from Cameron Hodge. He's not meant to be humanized at all. No, he's just he's despicable. Mm-hmm. But yeah, that is kind of that's kind of these issues, I guess. Mm-hmm. Are you ready to get into some accolades? Accolades. All right, we got to start it out with our best line. Mine goes to Boom Boom. Okay. Who says at one point, "Look, Jube, if you don't shut up about all the things that Wolverine told you, I'll drown you in this glop. I swear I will." <laughs> Which I liked because Boom Boom's mouthy. Yeah. And Jube did not, she wasn't shutting up about all the things Wolverine told her. <laughs> it's fun. Yeah. Mine best line goes to the moment that you brought up in the summary, the, the beast being 666. The number of the beast and he pops out and like mm-hmm. punches somebody. Rules. Mm-hmm. Perfect. Mm-hmm. They Ideal. ask his number, Cyclops says... He numbers 666, boss. 666. Hey, Joe, take a look. Somebody with a sense of humor numbered this one. 666 is... So I guess I'm giving my best line specifically to Hank McCoy, who wow. said, You guessed it, chump. The number of the beast is a really cool entrance. And beast isn't, like, terrible in this, so... Yeah, this is kind of pre... 
pre-awful beast. Mm-hmm. Yeah. All right. And greatest hero here was kind of hard because the heroes were kind of all down on their luck. Yeah, they get whooped. So I gave it to Cyclops because he was kind of kind of the leader of things and did some smart things like rigged the and bombed the place and i did like that we got that where they're like oh we're finally gonna get all those mutants boom and then they're like oh Uh we got all those mutants and it's like no there weren't any they blew this (laughs) up very good yeah it was like the one win they had x-men get a lot of these moments so in the dark phoenix saga there's a bit where the hellfire club takes literally everybody out uh-huh. Wolverine has been, what's his name? Harry Leland has the power to increase your mass. Yes. And he increases Wolverine's mass and Wolverine falls through the floor and into the sewer. Mm-hmm. And like everybody else gets, gets one upped one way or the other and they're all captured. Right. Except the very last panel is, is like Wolverine catching himself on like a pipe in the sewer Mm -hmm. and turning around and being like all right you gave it your best shot but now it's my turn so you absolutely know in that next issue wolverine is gonna mess everybody up right and like wolverine had not really had any like solo moments before this Mm -hmm. so it's like a very big deal but in the end of this issue like havoc has this like i can't let them know that i remember everything right Mm -hmm. and you're like oh havoc's gonna maybe do something fortunately havoc is distinctly not as cool as wolverine but he is still maybe gonna do something (laughs) so is that your greatest hero no i'm sorry i got off on a tangent my greatest hero (laughs) okay my greatest hero is jubilee because she had to she had to guard boom boom and richter all by herself and she's just a young teen okay i felt like that was very that was like that was a lot of responsibility to put on her Oh. And they're all not, and you know what? Who's not captured? Jubilee, Richter, and Boom Boom. So she's doing great. <laughs> That's fair. Mm-hmm. That's fair. All right. So I mentioned that I would bring up the Jim Lee art in my coolest moment. Yes. And I gave my coolest moment to uh, Psylocke reading uh, Richter and Boom Boom's minds at, oh. just because that art there was just so powerful um, and just really cool. Like Psylocke looks. Looks like strong. There's a lot of panels in this where she's definitely very sexy, but when she's using her powers here, she just looks strong in control. It's I enjoy the art and I've I've heard a lot of people like mention the fact that Jim Lee made all the ladies sexy, like mm-hmm. all the time. He also made kind of everybody sexy all the time. Like there's a lot of Jim Lee covers where people are in swimsuits, but boy is everybody in a swimsuit. <laughs> Well, I say lots. I think there's just one distinct one. I mean, that's not to say that this this is not like he he definitely like does a lot of sexy Psylocke art. I just I feel like if there was a bisexual panel in this crossover, this is it. Oh, specifically that one. Of yeah, Psylocke reaching out and like boom, boom, throwing her head back, and Richter throwing his head back, and it looks like almost somewhat painful ecstasy. <laughs> goodness with the teens <laughs> i i'm divorcing that just just the composition just the, just the of composition this. okay <laughs> so my coolest moment was similar because it's when wolverine and psylocke were fighting all the genotians mm-hmm. there's this bit where wolverine is like absolutely covered in them and it's just like ripping them up it mm. is so cool yeah some good fights psylocke does a lot of fun psychic whammies too yeah you know the focus totality of her for psychicness. Yeah. Mm hmm. It looks like the little Halo sword. It does look kind of <laughs> like the Halo sword. 
<laughs> All right. So next up is our Crusher Creel Award for Silly Villainy. And my Crusher Creel Award for Silly Villainy has to go to Hodge for being so petty as to put Jean in the same oh, cell boy. as Wolverine just to mess with Cyclops. But, like, he doesn't even hate Cyclops as much as he hates, like, Warren. Right. He hates Warren the most. Because mm-hmm. Warren lopped his head off with his metal wings. Right. Uh, and also he was a bad roommate or something. <laughs> yeah, he smelled. <laughs> Mine's also for Cameron Hodge, but for a different reason. I said Cameron Hodge is the only effective bad guy in this story, and that's sad. <laughs> <laughs> that's a silly villainy. Yeah. <laughs> it, it, the fact that he's just somehow he's everywhere. Okay, yeah. So, readers, our next accolade is the key of C, which we give to a moment that we feel would be best enhanced with a, or enhanced with a musical number, or should be expanded upon with a musical number. Uh, and my key of C, I give to Richter and his. He we have a lot of ongoing obligation that he feels towards towards Rain, mm. and when he finally like sees her in his mute or in her mutate form he has this big uh inner monologue here about what she's like and some some guilt and but then like revenge i feel like that's a nice little arc for a song there of how he's going to uh save rain i like that my kfc goes to uh the gene engineer's lament Ah. I think that sometimes the villains got to have their own song and sometimes yeah. they have to have their own song that makes them seem human. Mm-hmm. You know, you've got, you've got your J- Javert's got a song about how yeah. much he loves justice. Right. I feel like he could have a song about how much he loves being terrible. <laughs> I thought you were going to say Genosha, but okay. <laughs> Genosha's terrible. <laughs> Genosha's the worst. <laughs> Uh, next uh, accolade I will go down with this ship can be platonic or romantic uh, relationship. And mine is the platonic relationship of Jubilee and Wolverine. You love I a mentor-mentee relationship. Yeah. yeah, I'm a teacher. I, you, I'm i not going to bring my students into life or death situations. <laughs> I can I can enjoy that. Yeah. I just kind of liked him bossing her around a little bit because, mm. you know, and, and then her in turn bringing that bossiness elsewhere. It was fun. She kind of sasses, and it's fun. Mm -hmm. My down with this ship is the partnership between Wolverine and Psylocke, who I thought thought that was great. I thought they they did did better than everybody else, and they very rarely get to interact. And so I thought Mm -hmm. this was kind of cool. Oh, yeah. Yeah. I enjoy it. The goodest hit. Beast punching the magistrate after being revealed as the beast. Oh, yeah, that is a good that is a good hit. Like his the the timing of that uh, and that reveal is like, just fun. It's fun. Mm-hmm. Mine was a psychic knife blow from Psylocke to the magistrate, specifically Havoc's girlfriend magistrate. Then she makes like a weird little gurgly noise or something. <laughs> like, mm-hmm. uh, duh, duh, I just duh. I love how Psylocke comes from behind and like grabs her hair and pulls her head back and knife oh, it just it just looked really cool yeah jim lee's pretty good at kinetic art mm-hmm. it's the best fight of the of the three issues i think so a lot of our accolades came from, from that issue, from that, that issue fight. yeah mm-hmm. it's it's weird because I, I feel like a lot of people in retrospect have been like uh you know jim lee's like a little overrated he's like very indicative of that era but like a lot of people try to do a bad jim lee impression but i don't know he's he's really on it in this 
early, in these early issues. Mm-hmm. These are some of the earlier X-Men ones that he's done. And it's interesting to compare him to like the other Wunderkind of the era, Rob Liefeld, who's like his, his work is just not as dynamic. I look like right now, like a dog that's <laughs> eaten something terrible. Yeah. You look like a cat that's like about to cover something up. <laughs> oh, and with and, that reader. <laughs> and I actually find this like the most palatable of all Rob Liefeld art that I've ever read. Uh-huh. And I, I even sometimes have a soft spot for, for, for Rob's art, not necessarily Rob as a person, but it's just, it's hard to read it like right after Jim Lee, who is like a, just better. Yeah, yeah. And even like Johnny Boggs does like be- way better art. Mm-hmm comparison is the big downfall of yeah. different artists and events it's, it's it happens though mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. it does and with that readers thank you for joining us if you would like to follow the chris's on facebook or twitter we are at chris's pod you can email us at chris's on infinite earths at gmail.com and if you would like to support us monetarily, you can head to Kofi or Patreon. Links to those are in the show notes. Otherwise, if you do not want or cannot support us monetarily, just give us those just just give us those five star reviews. We love to read those out on the show. It's been a while. It has been a while. It's been a while. Since we've got five star reviews. Yep. But you can throw those on iTunes, Stitcher, wherever you like. But we will read the iTunes ones out on the show so you can make us say some silly stuff. Mm-hmm. Yeah. And until next time, readers. Slay your enemies and all you desire shall be yours.